Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you something, people. Today, I was at the gym. I went to the gym this morning. And I really, I don't get my gym in Burbank. I mean, it's it's a nice place. It's an athletic club. But I swear to God, the personal trainers there look like they need a personal trainer. I mean, it's unbelievable. They just say, walk around, and they're like, they're like fat. And I think if I was paying money, because I'm new to the gym. I mean, I haven't been to the gym since I was like six. I mean, back then, I was a strong six. I mean, basically, I was... You know, I was weighed 50 pounds, I could bench like 44. But the gym's very intimidating. And these guys, they just walk around and it's just, it's disgusting. I mean, I'm sitting there looking and I'm like, how can you pay for these guys? This guy is fat. He's got fat arms. He's wearing this uh, cut-off sweatshirt. And he looked like, I don't know if you remember, but when uh, Robert Blake was on uh, Pierce Morgan and he had that meltdown when he took his blazer off and he had the cut-off sleeves and he called Pierce Morgan Johnny Potatoes, that's what the guy looked like. And this guy's actually going to tell people how to work out. Anyway, enough about that. We're going to get to my guest because uh, my guest today, it's so funny, it's my first time. I think I may have met him once, but I know his wife and his wife's a very funny female comic, not a very funny comic. I take that back because <laughs> I hate, I always say female, I, I don't say female comic, I used to say comic. And she's a Philly girl, Nina Manny, and I'm, you know, I, she worked at my place, Victoria's, and if you my Cooper's Angel show. And whenever I'd see her, I knew what her, I knew what her husband looked like. And whenever I see her, I see her like every six months, I'm like, is that your husband in a commercial? And she's like, yes, because this guy's like in every freaking commercial if you have a tv and you watch more than two hours a night you will see him once a night that's all i'm saying anyway my guest is amir talai hi there how you doing amir i'm good i like your music by the way it reminded me of like the score from lost well you know it's funny i just i i found that because i needed an intro song uh-huh. and my one friend was like oh I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna get you a song i'm gonna make you a song and 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 he didn't <laughs> and so I was looking through here, and I'm like, "Well, I want something acoustic, and yeah. I just it's it's very rich. It's moody and sort of islandy." So I got to ask you now. You're from San Francisco, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you're Iranian uh, uh-huh. descent. I am. Okay. Yes, I am. Now, uh, what, what's the difference between Iranian and Persian? Is there? Uh, there is no difference. Uh, Persian is an older name, uh, and uh, I like to tell people I'm Persian because when they think uh, Iranian, they think of uh, hostage crises and uh, nuclear bombs. Right. And when they think of Persian, they think of rugs and cats. <laughs> exactly. No, the reason I <laughs> ask you is because, you know, you're an actor, and do uh, you know Maz Jabrani? Sure. Well, Maz was on the show, and he was just saying, and it's weird because he's from the, up in the San Francisco area yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just weird how he said, you know, going through getting into this business, it's sort of different because it's your parents expect more from you, I believe. Sure. Yeah. But you've done great. So they expect you to be successful. No matter what you're doing, they expect really? you to be very successful. Now what was it like growing up? Were you when you were a kid, did you always know you wanted to act or did you or what was what were you when you were a little kid, did you watch TV? Did something draw you to entertainment? Yeah, I mean I was uh, like when I was thirteen at like midnight I would pull two uh two chairs together in the kitchen and lie down on them and watch SNL okay. uh on the TV. Because uh, we only had one TV, because back then houses only had one TV, right. instead of like one in every room. We had like one in the kitchen, yes. but we weren't. But we weren't allowed to watch it during dinner. Uh-huh. Like it was so weird. I'm like, well, why do you even have a TV in the kitchen <laughs> if we can't watch it during dinner? Right. It's for mom while she cooks. Exactly. So you would watch SNL. So I'd watch SNL like late at night, and God, I just found I found, I thought sketch comedy was so amazing, and I would also watch like uh, I think it was called the Comedy Network back then. Now it's Comedy Central, but it was called the, like the Comedy Network. The Comedy, comedy Channel. Channel. Comedy Channel. Comedy Channel. I would watch short attention span theater. Um, and uh, was it called Premium Blend? Or oh, yeah. is that, yeah. So I would. With yeah. Alan Havy. 
Wait, no, that, it was, a, was that a talk show? No, Premium Blend was a stand-up. Yeah, it was stand-up, and they would, yeah, they would have uh, just like a, a stand-up show. Um, and I just remember I was just voracious about that stuff. And I was doing, you know, celebrity impressions at age three on the couch. Like just, who? Uh, my first one was Tina Turner. At three? Yes. At three, you did Tina Turner. Yes. I would I would flare my nostrils. I have big nostrils anyway. And I would sing What's Love Got to Do With It. Wow. <laughs> that's so cool, though. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny when you think about it. But when with SNL, who were the, when you started watching it, w- what cast was that? Do you remember? Um, Oh, man. Was I it guess, the Sandler cast? or? I feel like, no. It was, I think it was like, the beginning of like Lovitz okay. and Hartman, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Uh, Dana Carvey. Okay. Dana Dana Carvey was like sort of my, the the my mind blowing entry into like impressions and sketch comedy and stuff. I just thought he was a god. Well, uh, he was. I mean, it was you know, it's just it, it was so funny. Then he did Master of Disguise, which uh-huh. was just. I'm sorry. It was if I went to pay for that movie because it was it's 83 minutes long. Uh-huh. I would be pissed off if I paid. You know, it's like I mean, Woody Allen movies are 90 minutes, uh-huh. but you know, going into a Woody Allen movie, it's yeah. going to be 90 minutes. Yeah. But when you pay and it's 83 minutes, I was pissed that I rented it. I'm like, <laughs> 83 minutes. It's longer. Like previews are longer to movie now. Would Master of Disguise have been better if it was 120 no. minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you might have gotten away with something. Exactly. So why do why do you think you just did the Tina Turner impression? It's so weird for a three. Year old. I mean, did, I I mean did you start doing other impressions after that? I mean, not you know, I was doing impressions of the impressions that Dana Carvey did. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I was 10, 13. Uh, uh, I, uh, I've always, but I've always been sort of a good mimic, I guess, because, um, well, I grew up speaking uh, four different languages, and which, I also grew what? up uh, English, Persian, Spanish, and French. Um, now, how did you... The lo- reason for that is, uh, well, my parents spoke Persian in the house. I went to, like, a bilingual uh, school that, like, half the day was in French and half the day was in English. Okay. Um, like, we had math in French and then math in English. And what was interesting, like, we had... we had. I used to think... It was called French math and English math. I thought French math was geometry. I just... I didn't realize they were actually just teaching geometry in French. Okay. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, and then I had a, 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 a nanny, uh, and she spoke Spanish to me. Uh, so... So I, I, I have a really good ear, plus I'm also very musical. So I'm, I'm a good mimic. I'm good with languages. I can, you know... Um, so I really enjoyed the f- when people would do impressions. I'd be like, "Oh, cool! I want to do that." So I would just do impressions of their impressions. But so that's—I think a lot of people do that. I mean, sure. you know, it's just because that's where you know you have to learn to be an impressionist somewhere. Yeah, right. And it's like you know, I mean, people watch someone and they go, oh, "Okay." So, so now in high school, did you did you start pursuing this? I mean, yes. Did you tell your parents you wanted to get into this, or were you afraid? Or I mean, it was always sort of a dream of mine, but it was always also like, "Well, it's not going to happen." So. So, you know, have fun with it. And then, you know, it was always have something to fall back on. Very Persian. You know what I mean? Um, no, were you, did you act in high school or anything? I did, yeah. I did, like, musicals and stuff. And I was in, like, a musical troupe. Uh, it was all these, like, all the, the best teen actors from around San Francisco were in one uh, troupe together. And we did, like, five musicals a year. It so awesome. it was musical. But did, yeah. Did you have any... Uh, Parlay into comedy during that time? No, no. I I was really scared of of uh, of stand up and and I sort of didn't. I wouldn't have known how to get into sketch at that time. I think nowadays, you know, uh, 
uh, kids sort of understand that like oh sketch comedy is something you can do by like like you know get you know film it on your iphone and you yeah. can upload a, a YouTube of your sketch. Or you can just go rent a theater for cheap and just write the show. I, right. mean, that's, I mean, I did that sure. years ago. I wanted to do a sketch show, and I was moved up here, and I was waiting tables, and yeah. everyone wants, everyone's, yeah, we'll get it. And then you say, well, let's do this. You yeah. know? And they're like, yeah. well, I don't know. I'll get I go, what, you're going to pick up an extra shift? And I, my friend owned a theater, and he's like, dude, it's it's 400 a month you know, for the one night. So I got four yeah. guys in the troupe, $100 yeah. each. Yeah. I wrote the show. Yeah. I directed it and boom. And there I was like, I was sitting there going, you guys, I mean, you, you sit there, you bitch all the time that you're not working. <laughs> it's a hot, that's 25 bucks a week. I said, don't go out for beers one night and you can actually perform. Yeah. So now you're in high school. Now, do yeah. You so I, so I, um, I just started doing musicals and stuff and, uh, and then I didn't get in. And then once I got into college, I started doing improv and then improv sort of opened my mind up to like, Oh, this is the sort of way into sketch comedy. And then once I got here to LA, then I started taking classes at the groundlings and I was like, Oh, this is how you put together sketch comedy. Really? What was your major in college? Uh, mass communications, okay. so like basically advertising, marketing, that kind of thing. And where'd you go? Went to UC Berkeley. Okay. And I thought I was gonna sort of do advertising, uh, and then uh, and then um, you know sort of try to make it in acting on the side. But uh, then I realized that when you start out in advertising, you're working fifty, sixty hours a week, right. so there is no side. So when you you graduated college, yeah. did you move right down here, or did you? No, stay? I stayed up there for a couple years, and I did um, I did like. Uh, local theater, some local paid theater. I did some commercials up there. I did some voiceover up there. Actually, I did a, a lot of impressions in this one voiceover show, uh, this cartoon, this animated web show, uh, where I did like impressions of um, of of musicians. So I did like an impression of Sting. I did singing of Tom or talking. York. Both. Do, Both. do Sting talking. Can you, oh, do you remember it? God, I don't remember. That's I mean, right. I, I think it was just really sort of pretentious. Okay. And, and you know, and then Tom York was really so mumbling. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I did uh, I did Macy Gray. Wow. Like, what? oh, yeah. We're going to play a thing down now. Whatever um, happened to her? I don't I mean, know. She was like I'm guessing huge, drugs. huge. I think she started a clothing <laughs> company. And I don't oh. think it went. It's like, okay. I don't know. So... So you sit there. So you come down here now. You've been to L.A. before when you came down here. You no, visited. No, so. I drove down. Did you know anyone? I knew one person, and uh, no, two people. And literally, when I drove and I took the exit for Glendale Boulevard, I was like, "Oh, this is literally my first time in L.A." And uh, drove to my friend's house, crashed on her couch for a couple months, and um, and that was that. I so, just started. So, but I mean, so you didn't know anyone. So you just you how did you, did you do research to find out where to go, or you just said, okay, I, I did improv, and now I'll look for the groundlings because everyone seems to have heard of the groundlings. But I heard mm -hmm. that's a very that can be a very you know if you don't have any talent, you're going to mm -hmm. be there for a long time. I you mean, can be there for a long yeah. time. Well, you can be there for a very short time, actually. If you don't do have they any talent, cut you. Yeah, they'll cut you. I mean, the 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 thing about groundlings, it's it's cutthroat. I mean, at every stage, you can get cut from the program, and if you get cut, you can't come back. Okay. Um. Uh, no, I really didn't know a thing. I sort of, when I decided to move down, I I was down here six months after I decided. Okay. Uh, and uh, and I just figured I'd sort of find my way. And I spent, I spent the better part of a year really just being here and trying to get plugged in and researching, you know, now, learning. Now, what was your parents' reaction to this? Were they supportive or because, I mean, or were they sitting there going, what are you doing? Or I'm sure any parent, you know, I mean, you seems like you had a good upbringing, you had a good upbringing, your parents are going to love you. Yeah. And they might be, you know, a little disappointed. Like my father, 
couldn't believe I went in the stand up and then finally like one time in the Philadelphia Inquirer had my name like this small <laughs> but now he's like oh his name's in the paper I'm like yeah I got paid eight bucks right. <laughs> you know? it's right. like there goes my college degree <laughs> in business but I mean how what was their reaction when well, you said were, you're moving they were freaked out but they were also supportive like the, I had told them I'm going to work 50 hours a week uh, and uh, in San Francisco not act at all and then uh, build up a little you know nut to uh, some savings so that when I get to LA I can you know make my way down there and they said well don't don't throw away a year of your life how about if we support you for the first year well, in that's... LA and I was like wow I mean that was huge so so it was I was really lucky to have their support for a year but you were nice where you you stayed at your friend's couch you weren't like oh my like a lot of people would be like oh my parents support me well I'm gonna get a house you know <laughs> on the rent but a lot of people are like that right. I mean it's just funny so you come down and so what's the first place you hit uh, you get in you get in you stay, you're gonna do improv. You go to the uh, is the first place you go is the Groundlings. Or you I go actually to improv went to Olympic? Second City first, okay. uh, because a, a, a buddy of mine was there, uh, and uh, uh, it wasn't for me. Uh, and then I and then another I had another buddy who was at Groundlings, and uh, and he was like, you should give it a try here. And once I got to Groundlings, I was like, yes, I love it here. Now, when you went to the Groundlings, who were some of the the, the ultra level people at that time? Do you remember? Um, was like Cedric Yarbrough there, or I don't know if he's or was uh, Jordan Black there. Jordan Jordan was a company member at the time. Um, boy, I don't remember. I remember the show that I saw there was the the, the one that blew, blew my mind was the uh, the Beverly Winwood Showcase, which is the one that they have like company members doing a fake actress showcase okay. for like quote unquote agents to come see, and it's just a uh, really I mean it's it's sketch comedy. It's basically. Uh, horrible actors making horrible choices. All right. It's really, really funny. Uh, but they had like Paul Rubens in that show and Jennifer Coolidge was in that show. Um, so there's some heavy, heavy hitters. Jim I mean. Rash, uh, uh, you know, from Community and all that. Um, yeah, Nat Faxon. A lot of, lot, yeah. So how long do you stay with the Groundlings? I was in the Groundlings program for about four or five years it took me it took me f about four years to get to the sunday company uh which is sort of like the you know the the minor leagues of the groundlings it's right before the main company uh and then i got cut from the sunday company so i didn't make it to the main company so during that time were you auditioning or anything where you did you have oh, a sure. commercial agent i mean yeah it took me uh it took me a good year like i said of of uh sort of just finding my way in town before i really got an agent that started getting me out and stuff like that um do you remember your first commercial my first commercial it down was here down no. here what was your first commercial in san francisco san francisco was one for gateway computers um and uh and down was, here was it a national the gateway mm -hmm. yeah 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 uh, but it wasn't like it wasn't funny or anything like that. There was no comedy to it. It was just sort of standing there and like at a computer and like excited to be on the computer. Um, shit, down here, I don't remember what my first one was. How many commercials have you done? Um, if you could say offhand, I've done at least sixty, m maybe as many as eighty. Or yeah, because it's so funny. Because yeah, it's like your face. I mean, it's just so funny though. Because the <laughs> thing is though, you you always play a different role. And the funny thing is, it's. You don't sit there and you don't play, you know, 
a Persian guy, like in the in the Febreze commercial, you're just yeah. a guy working in. And I think your name tag says like some weird name, like 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 I forget what it said. I, I always notice this stuff because you know, but it, it's just weird. But that's good because you've you've sat there and not get to say typecast. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So you get cut from the Groundlings, and mm-hmm. you but you're doing commercials down here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, in that four years, I really started you know working very steadily. Now, um, were you doing voiceover work at the time too? I did a little bit of voiceover. Um, uh, I, I've done I've done some voiceover over the years. Not a ton, though. I did actually. I did more in the Bay Area than I than I have done here. But down here, I've I've done some. I've done like the Seth MacFarlane cartoons, maybe eight or nine times over the last ten years. Okay. Um, and um, and then I've done like a couple video games and, and, and commercials and stuff like now, that. Now, do you enjoy that? I mean, a lot of people say they like it because you can just go in and just, there's like, there's, I guess there's a, not an overwhelming pressure. I mean, because <laughs> like in acting, you have the whole, everyone around, and if you screw it up, you probably feel bad. You're like, oh God. But with a commercial, I mean, with a, like with, with Seth MacFarlane, was there, did you feel pressure because he's Seth MacFarlane or? Um, you know, the first thing I ever did uh, was on Family Guy and he was actually there so it was a little intimidating um, but at the same time you know I knew that I, I had it I knew that I, I, I was going to be able to nail it and he's very sort of supportive and fun in the booth um, and then after that I did uh, some like uh, some American Dads and, and Cleveland and then another Family Guy but after that he had he was never in the booth um, so there's certainly less pressure that you know to have like the man um, <laughs> there uh, but also you know a- as it becomes your second third fourth time there you, you sort of feel like okay I'm, I'm part of the family I'm, I'm cool and I'm gonna get as many takes as we need and now what is what are some of the variants of a uh I know you did John Leguizamo. Is that true? Uh huh. I did a John Leguizamo impression. Um, now, had you done a Leguizamo before, or how did? I mean, how does it come no. to a point that you sit there and go, someone goes, "Okay, Amir, you're gonna do Leguizamo." I mean, isn't it? I mean, yeah. how does that? Did you audition for it? Or no? That they just called me and they they said, "We think you could do a good John Leguizamo. Can you come in tomorrow?" And I was like, "Okay, sure." And I just went to YouTube. You know, so it, this happens on SNL um, that you know they're told, "We need you to do this impression on Saturday. Get it ready." You know, uh, and then other times the the cast members on that show will will be working on impressions and then sort of present it to the writers okay. and say, "Oh, I've got this impression. Let's do something with it." But in this case, it was um, it was just me watching a bunch of YouTubes of John Leguizamo all night long uh, and really sort of getting down his. You know, he does his he does his normal talk, and then he always does like a right. these characters. Uh, you know, um, so uh, it was, and it was sort of one of those lines where I had to split from John Leguizamo into John Leguizamo doing a tranny. Now, as <laughs> as you're as you're doing it, as you're watching Don, John Leguizamo, are you doing it uh, verbally out loud? Sure. But, but but I mean, it's like think with impressions, you really can't hear it in your head. I don't know, or can you? Like sometimes, you, if like if I say, "Oh, this sounds like Cleveland," if I go, right. that's nasty." <laughs> to me, that sounds like. But I don't know if it sounds like. And so, how did you do it? Was was Nina there helping you out, or saying, you know? Do you, do, you, do you tell anyone before? Do you go, does this sound like John Leguizamo? Or you just say to hell with it, I'm going to do it? No, I just, I just, no. I just do it on my own in my office. I think I'd probably be embarrassed to show Nina. Um, and, uh, yeah, just sort of drill it. Drill it, drill it. And, uh, yeah. 
That's that. And now, you know, and now working in voiceovers more as I do, I'm, I'm being asked to sort of voice match, which is, you know, rather than doing an impression, you're trying to nail that person's voice sort of perfectly. You're okay. not supposed to, like, you're not having fun with it. Like, when I do a John Leguizamo impression, I'm saying, like, have you guys no- – you're basically telling the audience, have you guys noticed this right. funny thing that John Leguizamo does? Whereas when I'm doing a voice match, like I do the uh, I do the voice of Master Crane on uh, on the Kung Fu Panda TV show. Um, now David Cross did that uh, Master Crane in the movies. So uh, when uh, when I auditioned for that, they were like, you know, we're we're not looking for a match, but you're looking for a match. So so I I listened to a lot of David Cross. I got his comedy album, and I just you know started doing his jokes on the comedy album with him. Okay. Um, so that when I when I audition, you know, I'm trying to match his voice up as perfectly as I can. See, that's just crazy. It's like you think it's like you, you're sitting there, and that's sort of pressure because you're going, I got to sound just like this yeah. person. It's like, and you said you're right. The impressions, people always go, hey, uh, so what if Jack Nicholson was, you know, and you're like, yeah. he wouldn't be there, right? You know, it's like, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. So after you got out of the Groundlings, did you still? Uh, pursue improv or anything like that or sketch or did you say I'm just gonna go act or what do you do I mean it's it's you know you're sitting there and, and you gave all that time and now you got the training and you probably made some contacts uh-huh. and you're already working in commercials yeah where do you what do you do from there do you say I want to act well but by, by the time I got out of the groundlings I had had sort of a career sort of rolling you know what I mean I had done um I had done a, 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 a the comeback and campus ladies which were my two sort of big breaks uh, neither of those shows were, were particularly popular outside of the industry. They were sort of small-scale uh, uh, cult hits. The comeback. Was that the Kudrow? Yeah. Okay. That was a very funny show. It was a great show. It was, you know, because I watched it. time as far as I'm concerned. I liked that, and I liked Fat Actress with Kirstie Alley. Mm-hmm. Two shows that were really, you watch and you go, they're just good. And just people, it's the old thing, the L.A., you know, people don't understand. It's like one of my favorite shows with Jay Moore was Action. Mm-hmm. So I remember, but it was like, yeah. it, and every star was in that. But then I don't know if you know, but that show. But they changed. They shot a bunch of episodes, uh-huh. and then they canceled it. So they changed the whole ending where Jay Moore had a heart attack and died. Oh, it was just so, but it's just weird. But so, <laughs> so the comeback now. Now, did you have a big part in the comeback? I didn't. I was only in two episodes uh, of the thirteen. It only aired one season, um, but uh, but because that show told the story of, of, of LA in such a great way. It was really popular with like producers and casting directors. So for a good like year or two afterwards, anytime I went into an audition, they'd be like, Oh, we loved you on the comeback. Um, so it was, it was, a that was a big, big deal for me. Uh, and that was before I got cut from the groundlings. So by the time I got cut, I was, you know, I was, I was, I was rolling, you know, I had some momentum. Now I'm looking at your resume here and, um, the tonight show. Uh huh. Was that, was that during the groundlings also, or was that around the time? Yeah. Yeah. I think I had probably taken a class or two at the groundlings and, uh, and you know, they do like sketches and stuff right. on the tonight show. So, uh, so I did various sketches, um, I think I played like a uh, you know like a a, a a a a day laborer in one sketch, and I'm sure I played some version of a terrorist in another sketch. Well, how did that come about? Did you go out and audition, or, or how did like you know? I had uh, I think the casting director on that show. This I mean this is a long time ago. Right. This is probably eight years ago. But the casting director on that show I think had a relationship with my agent, and I think just called her and said, uh, you know, do you do you have anyone Middle Eastern that can fit this? 
Uh, is he funny? And she was like, I got the guy for you, no problem. You know, especially on some of their sort of quick, on The Tonight Show, on some of their, uh, you know, they have such quick turnover on that show. Right. Um, that they don't have really time for auditions. They sort of just like grab someone and they may not necessarily be the best person for the job always, but because they've got 90 minutes to shoot it, they're like, look, if you're available and you're, you know, funny enough, it's a five second joke. It's a 10 second joke. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Jay will be like, yeah, do you see this? We got a little video of that and they'll show it and they'll come back and that's it. It's just a teeny part of his monologue. So, uh, so yeah, that was a fun little job. Well, I'm also looking now. You did you you crossed over for some serious stuff. You're in NCIS and Nip Tuck. Now, now was that because you had the background in comedy? I mean, when you were younger, you were more musical and serious. But Uh did you feel odd doing drama after you had done so much comedy? Well, uh, you know, I've never done anything very dramatic, to be perfectly honest. You know what I mean? When I did NCIS. I played uh, one of a group of terrorists, uh, and of the group, I was the sort of least experienced. I had the fewest number of lines, so it's not like I was like sort of digging into something meaty. And uh, and then with uh, with Nip Tuck, you know, again, it was I think it was one line, two lines. It was really sort of the, at the beginning of my career. Now, um, would you ever want to do a meaty, dramatic role? Is that I'd something in to. your, I mean, have you sat there and say, you know, you know, like a play or, a, a, I mean, because you're doing a lot of comedy, you're doing sure. a lot of commercials. Is there, have you sat there and said, I want to do drama? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's a little tough because uh, because my 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 resume is so comedy heavy that a lot of people just frankly don't buy it. You know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll either sort of know me from, from, you know, TV shows that I've done or even commercials that I've done. And so when I walk in, they're already like, they have a smile on their face. You know what I mean? So they're not sort of ready for me to do something serious. I don't get a ton of dramatic auditions. Uh, but, uh, but, um, but it's definitely a side of me. I'm, I'm actually, you know, uh, I can be a really serious, thoughtful, uh, and sometimes angry <laughs> person, um, and uh, and it's definitely something that's in my wheelhouse. And I, I, th- I think it's, you know, I think it's a matter of time before I, I get a chance to do something like that. And even if I don't do it on a big scale, I'm certainly open to you know doing, you know, smaller indie stuff and. Even if it ends up that I have to produce something on the web, you know, uh, I I definitely want the chance to sort of flex those muscles. Just because I think it's um, I think it's an important part for me of just my art. You know what right. I mean? Like, let alone like, oh, I would love for to have the kind of career like Tom Hanks of like he can do these sort of fun comedies, but he can also do drama let alone the sort of career aspect of it. I just think it's it's uh, fulfilling to do that kind of drama. I think that's stuff. also, it's great now with, you know, the advent of YouTube and all that. You yeah. know, I mean, I knew guys back in Philly doing comedy who were film students and they had to spend, it was so much money to actually make a film. We're yeah. talking, this is in like 1988, 89. It's like, yeah, I'm raising money, $20,000 for like an eight minute thing. Right. And now what's great is, I mean, even producing, you can just sit there and you have friends 
and it's everyone always calls him favors. Sure. And that's what's great. It's just when I'm looking at your resume and I completely remember you from this role now because <laughs> I love the show Cold Case. Oh, really? <laughs> I No, I love it because it takes place in Philly. I just uh, love that show. Great. But I was looking at it and I went, startup and I went you were the guy who had the crush on the girl yes that's yes. right and you had a pretty big part in that that was actually one of my more sort of dramatic things that I ever did uh, yeah I was sort of uh, suspected of murder um, I had this sort of intense uh, crush on on the lead uh, girl in the flashbacks um, that was really fun that was really really fun and really different uh, well, I think me. what we've done for that as an actor is also you, you're playing someone even it's like it's eight years apart or whatever which mm -hmm. is cool because you're playing the person young when you just came over pretty much just, yeah. and, like, and then down the road you're this guy who you know and it's that's just cool I, I, that's, I, as soon as I said it I went oh my god <laughs> oh my god that's crazy yeah so um, that was a weird episode too because the director and I had decided in the flashbacks why don't you have a slightly stronger accent and now six seven eight years later you've lost a little bit of the accent because before you were fresh off the boat from India uh, and and so I really had fun with that and then after we shot it the uh, the network was like we don't like his different accent oh, really so can he re-record all of the dialogue in the flashback so that was a little tough but um yeah. See, that's just, you know, it's so funny. I mean, and most people probably wouldn't even recognize that. No, I mean, no, no. And it's just, that's what's so crazy. It's like, okay, go retake this. And, but then you're getting paid for it. Oh, sure, so yeah. it's not I mean, that bad. Well, no, I, I, I didn't mind uh, from from a career standpoint. I, I did think it, you know, you lost a little bit in the acting when you have to, same thing actually with Harold and Kumar too. I had to re-record every single line of dialogue in that movie. For what reason? Uh, because of the hot tub sounds. So you did a scene uh -huh. in a hot tub. Yep. And the sound, was it the sound person that did something wrong? Or how, how does some, because I have friends who are sound guys, yeah. but they do reality TV. Uh -huh. So it doesn't make a difference. I mean, my one right. friend does, you know, Biggest Loser. They're not gonna, you know, it's, you're watching the, the language no one really cares but for right. a movie yeah. it has to be so yeah so what happened so you do this whole scene mm -hmm. did the whole scene and there was just you know there's there's a hot tub jet so uh you know on the day they were like okay well you know you can hear the hot tub jets but you know it's okay and then i think once they got it back uh to the editing bay they're like jesus these hot tub sounds are just too fucking loud sorry mike loud to curse you're not supposed to sorry don't i'm worry. sorry it's all right uh, it happens don't <laughs> worry no it's internet but i just always like you know sure because my niece might listen but <laughs> i don't think she does because you know. i know if someone starts then i i love the f word and i'll be like bah, 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 and i'll go wait a second this i can't do this <laughs> Um, yeah, so they just decided it's it's just too loud. So let's let's bring Amir in and re-record re every line of dialogue. So you know, and when you do that, the performance suffers a little bit. It it has to. You know, you do your best, but well, you do. Wait, are you doing it in a sound booth? Or you yeah, you do it in a sound booth. You're watching the the movie up on a huge screen, and then they have like three little beeps in your earphones. And like right before, you know, if I say, oh, um, you know, the line's like, Kamar and Roldy, what are you guys doing here? You know, I see myself say it on the screen, and right before I say it on the screen, it's like, it counts down, three, two, one, and I'm looking at my lips on the screen, and I try to match that with what I do live. And I go, Kumar and Roldy, what are you guys doing here? You know, and um, and then they just, they, they take out the original sound and they put in uh, my sound. Now, how many takes would it take? Because, I mean, that, that you're right, that does seem hard because you do have to line up, and we all talk differently. Like, if you say, you know, get me 
bread and mm-hmm. then the next day you might say get i mean it's just the cadence sure, was sure. it i mean did it take a while or was it frustrating to you you know to be honest it's fun for me um because uh it's like uh it's almost like uh, it's almost like throwing darts you know what i mean it's like you've got that you're trying to hit that bullseye right uh and so it, there's that sort of the, that concentration and then you know, you're using you're using your eyes, you're using your ears, and you're using your voice all sort of in concert together. Uh, I actually enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy the process of it. I I regret that it has to happen because, like I said, the the, the performance suffers. But the the process of it is actually sort of fun for me. And then you know, because like I said, I have a really good ear because I'm sort of musical and because I can hear things really well. Uh, I tend to be able to do that stuff more quickly than okay. most people so. i think it also you would do it as a challenge i think yeah. just because you're like okay i'm gonna do it. it's like yeah anything yeah. you sit there go i gotta get this right and you're yeah. like wait what am i doing it's like when i cook i'm like wait a second this isn't cooked right and then you go, <laughs> next time you're like i gotta make sure it's you know so now when you say musically talented uh do you play any instruments i don't um i sing um and um and that's it have you had any aspirations of getting to musicals out here, or is that something that's passed? Sure, I would love to do musicals. Um, I did a. I, I tend to do a musical like every couple years or so. I, I did a. I did a show at the Hollywood Bowl a couple years ago, and um, I did a show at uh, Pasadena Playhouse like five years ago. Um, and uh, I got nominated for an award for it, which was really what play was it? It was the one at Pasadena Playhouse was Can Can. Okay. It was sort of a remounting of it, uh, which uh, they're actually hoping to do on Broadway soon, which is really cool. Um, and then uh, at the Hollywood Bowl, they did Guys and Dolls with uh, like Scott Bakula and Jessica Biel and stuff like that. Now, what's that like to be at the Bowl? Because it's so it's such a historic place, yeah. and it's and I've been to one concert there, but I mean, you know, I performed and the biggest place I performed is like. 2500 but it was but you know yeah but here you're outside yeah and it's open air and yeah i mean and it's just it has that that it's the hollywood bowl sure you know? i mean i believe the beatles played i mean it was like you know i mean everyone yeah. amazing has so yeah did you have a little bit of nervousness or angst sure, or definitely and, then- and yeah and our first you know we rehearsed at, at a place off-site for a while and then when we finally got in there it was my first time being to the bowl i had never been until i rehearsed there so when you just walk in, it's, I mean, it's, it's so overwhelming and enormous. And uh, I, uh, I ran all the way up to the back row uh, and, like, took a picture. And it's just, it's so, so huge. And, um, and this is funny. On, on, uh, we're obviously, you know, we're mic'd. Uh, and um, uh, we did three shows, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, no, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And on the Friday show, I had, you know, I was in the chorus. I did some of the, like, singing, some of the acting, you know, luck be a lady, all that stuff. Um, And then I had one dialogue scene with Scott Bakula. It was me and Bakula. I like Bakula. I heard he's the best guy. And I was just like, if there if there's a charity thing, he's there. I mean, I saw him walking out of Michael's in Burbank one time. (laughs) Like, I was going to do a... A comedy night there, and I was like, I'm like, is that Scott Bakula come at Michael's? What the hell? He's 
awesome. I heard like, he's just and, the nicest guy. And, uh, you know, growing up, like such a huge. Uh, uh, oh my god, I'm playing Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap fan, huge. Like that was my show. So to be in this show with him was amazing. And then when he's and then when the director told me, oh, you're going to do that scene with him, I was like, holy crap. So we're um, so we're on opposite sides of the stage, and we're on phones talking to one another and up on the Hollywood Bowl screens they have like a split screen so that so that you can see us both on the screen the second night of the show I left my body mic downstairs in the dressing room and I realize it just as I'm stepping onto the stage what do you do what's what's your body I mean are you do you just start like you you know that like nervousness when you sit there I mean you must oh have God. just almost melted down plus you're in front of 17,000 people. And Scott Bakula. And Scott Bakula. And, like, I don't want to... The, literally, the number one thing is I don't want to let Scott Bakula down. Right. Right? Because he's... Because then Dean Stockwell will punch you in the face. It's going to happen. Um, so, in the... Literally, in the one set, You know how they say, you know, everything slows down? In the one second that I was walking out on stage, I had so many different ideas of how to solve this situation. I was like, okay... How long will it take me to run downstairs and get my mic and come back up? No, okay, that's not acceptable. What if I run off stage and grab someone else's mic? No. What if I run off stage and grab the mic that the stage manager uses? But I'm not sure if that mic will actually work for the audience. And finally, I was like, none of those will work. And I'm playing a guy in a mechanic shop. I played Joey Biltmore, the Biltmore Garage, because that's where they're trying to have the crap game. So he goes, uh, so he goes, Joey, wait, I, I need, I want to have the crap game there or whatever. And I'm just start, so I just start screaming. <laughs> so I'm like, People I'm on like, the front are hearing you. I'm but like, like, what I'm like Nathan, listen to me. And and um. And then I think like probably like two or three lines into the scene, I have a joke, right? Okay. So I say the joke and I can hear laughs coming from the first like half of the audience. And I'm like, holy crap, they're hearing me. Right. Um, and, uh, and so we, I get, I, we do the scene, I get a couple more laughs in the scene, like solid laughs. And I'm like, is this going off is this is this working and i sort of realize wow the the bull was built for sound you know whatever 50 90 years ago i don't know when it was built but it was built there wasn't body mics there wasn't right yeah i mean there may have been mics but there certainly weren't like body mics what is a body mic i mean just the the clip one it's a yeah it's a mic that you either clip on your clothes or that comes up the back of your neck uh, through your and then and sort of uh, like the, the side of your ear, like that sort of Britney Spears concert mic. Okay. Or sometimes what they'll do is it'll go up your uh, uh, head and then down, uh, sort of dangling on your forehead. Um, and uh, would be I good did, for me. They would just see <laughs> right. Exactly. You would do the side. Yeah. You do the Britney Spears version. Um, so I so I get off stage uh, and I w- want to cry and everyone is like, "What happened?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And I go down into my dressing room and I'm just like hyperventilating, and then Scott comes into my dressing room, Bacula, and I'm like, "Scott, please forgive me." He's like, "Are you okay?" 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm so sorry. He's like, it's okay, it's okay. I just feel so bad. Like, I, I wish I could have done something. And like Scott Bakula is beating himself up uh, for not being there for me. Meanwhile, I big time dropped the ball. Anyway, after the show, I say to my friend who was in the audience, I'm like, dude, that was horrible. And he's like, man, I was two thirds of the way up and I could hear you. And I was like, are you serious? That's amazing. And he said that he said that the moment that the audience realized that there was something wrong with the audio, they everyone just, just sort of tuned leaned in. forward, yeah. you know, they could see my lips moving on the screen and that they basically sort of, they got the scene and I, I couldn't believe it. Was that your first time performing outside? Um, no, I think I had done sort of like outdoor, like Shakespeare things, you know, like in college and high school and stuff like that. Uh, but that was, uh, that was, you know, obviously the, the biggest outdoor thing. That's just amazing. Done. I mean, that's one thing you get on your resume. You don't, you don't meet a lot. Of, I mean, you know, through the show and through just Hollywood, you, I meet a lot of people. Yeah. I don't think I've met anyone who's ever performed to the Hollywood Bowl. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's like, that's something that you go, yeah, Hollywood Bowl. I mean, it's like, it's not the Starlight Bowl in Burbank. It's the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> it was and, pretty and it's legendary. I mean, it, yeah, it's it awesome. Is. Yeah. I saw on your resume, you were on Curb. Uh-huh. Now... I've, it's so funny. You joined the alumni. I've had about 25 guests who have okay. been on Curb. Yeah. Paul Tompkins was on. Okay. Uh, just everyone. And everyone said it was just a great experience. Now, did you have to audition for that? And what, I mean, because I know, I think the audition process basically, you just improv, right? Sure. That, so, yeah. So, I mean, how'd they, that come about? Well, for the, for the audition, they'll say, uh, you know, but to be honest, nowadays, they're pretty much, I don't think they have too many auditions for that show. Nowadays, they know someone. It's people, a lot of times it's people, the comics you used to know. Or yeah, stuff. exactly. Okay. Um, but, uh, but what they would do for auditions for that show, which is the same as, as any show uh, that's shot that way, they'll say, in this scene, you are giving Larry a hard time about blah, blah, blah. And at, the, at that time, when I went to an audition, Larry was in the room, Cheryl was in the room, and um, Jeff Garland was in right. the room. Uh, and, uh, and so my scene was really simple. I wasn't, my scene actually wasn't very funny. It was just, uh, I'm taking Larry's order. So, so I'm doing the scene with Larry in the audition. And, uh, and uh, he, so he goes, so uh, wh- what, are, what, are, what, are, what do you have? And I was like, well, we have this, uh, we have this and this, and, and I, I think uh, my favorite is Bubble. I think it's a good choice. And he goes, and then he just turns to, uh, to the producers. He goes, uh, yeah, I think that's fine. <laughs> and, um, and that was that. That was my entire audition. And I, uh, I was on Campus Ladies at that time, which was produced by Cheryl Hines. Well, now, what is Campus Ladies? Campus Ladies was a show that was shot like Curb. It was an improv show. Okay. Uh, but it was on Oxygen. And it was about two middle-aged ladies that go back to college because they never had the college Now, experience. who were the ladies? Uh, Kristen Susson and Carrie Aidsley. Um, uh, Carrie, uh, Carrie's on a uh, family tree right now and Kristen, they're both groundlings they, okay. and they, they came up in the groundlings with Cheryl. So they sort of, they, they developed the show together. Um, uh, and both absolutely hysterical improv performers. So I was on campus ladies. I'm pretty sure that as soon as I left the room, Cheryl said, Amir's a great guy and he's funny. Just hire him. And okay. they did. So, uh, so the uh, the show was was really fun to do, um, and I played a I played a waiter at like a birthday party. So so you know at a birthday party you don't really have it's you don't have waiters you have sort of servers. So uh, in the scene 
I just come up to Larry's table and I say, okay, well, we've got three choices. We've got, uh, what did I say, a chicken with wasabi mashed potatoes, a skirt steak stir fry, and uh, a portobello salad. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, I'll have this, I'll have this, I'll have this. And what was crazy is on the second day of shooting, which took place later in the birthday party, right? everyone had that on their Ta- on the table, on their plates in front of them. Whatever they had ordered, the props department had created a skirt steak stir fry, a portobello oh, salad, wow. that is and so chicken. Cool. That is and so cool. I had just sort of made those three up on the day <laughs> because I was like, well, there should be a chicken dish, there should be a steak dish, and there should be a veggie dish. I just made those up out of my out of my butt and and it became real. Sort now, of are amazing. you are you a big Larry David fan or huge? So, yeah, so I love that. that show. I love it too, and I love it's so funny. I mean, I loved Seinfeld. And, sure. and I, you know, I forgot a lot of the episodes. My, uh-huh. my girlfriend knows every episode. Uh-huh. Back when she was in town, I had one of the writers, Steve Scrovan, come in as a guest. Okay. He's the guy who actually wrote the line, um, Mulva. That's, <laughs> he goes, that's my claim to fame, Coop. But he also he won an a, a Emmy for Everyone Loves Raymond. Awesome. But it's, uh, but yeah, and then I started watching Curb and I just, it's just so funny. I mean, yeah. it's just, and, you know, and I mean, working with someone like that, it just I mean, were you a little intimidated or, I mean, or just. Well, yeah, it, because when I, pl- as the waiter, I, I walked up to the table of Larry, Susie, Cheryl, and Jeff. So I was dealing with all four of like right. the big stars yeah. on the show. <laughs> um, uh, now, fortunately, I, it, I didn't have to do a whole lot. I pretty much just took their order. But uh, but it's great. I mean, anytime I see Jeff Garland to this day, and I only worked with him for like a day and a half, but he was always like, hey, my waiter. See, that's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, and just everyone on the set was really cool. And also, because I'd been on Campus Ladies, I sort of had the sense of how the show works. Right. So I, it was a little less intimidating to me. Now, is that one of the reasons you also ended up on the Riser, Paul Riser show? Because that was Paul's show, which should have was a very funny show. I don't know why it got canceled so early. Um yeah, uh, no, Paul's show, that was just an audition. Okay. Just a straight... Because I like him, too. I'm a big I love Paul, fan. yeah. Dine, when he's in Diner, it's one of the best roles. I just, you, you know. know, I haven't seen Diner. Oh, you have to. I know I have so to. so great. It's just but, funny. Um, no, uh, that was just a regular sort of audition for Paul. And um, and I had I had actually auditioned to be th- uh, the Omid Jalili part, the, the, the big uh, fat Persian series regular. Uh, and uh, and Paul uh, liked me, but I wasn't quite right for the part. So he he wrote in another part for me to come back later in the season. See, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So when when did your this real lately? It seems like when did this hot streak of commercials start? I mean, you know, I mean, you, the funny thing is you and you're also on Castle. I saw that, which uh, mm-hmm. which um, R. A. Gross, who plays the uh, coroner was on my show oh, last okay. week. That guy's been in everything. Like yeah. you look at his resume. Sure. Nicest, nicest, nicest guy. I'm like <laughs> I walk in, I'm like, I remember you and Soul Man. You know, it's crazy. When uh so when did this big commercial roll? Because I mean it's not like you're just it's not like you're yeah. an actor who sits there and all of a sudden you see him on a commercial. Yeah. You've been constantly working. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like it seems like you're on every damn commercial. The, the truth is commercials have been pretty steady for me for the past uh, six, seven years. But what happens is, uh, it's sort of a it's sort of a crapshoot about which commercials are going to run a lot and when they're going to run. So I've always done mm, six to ten commercials a year. Okay. Um, 
for the past six years or so, but sometimes there's this convergence of like three of them happen to be really popular and run a lot, um, or um, or you know uh, uh, have have like a, when I did a Super Bowl commercial like three three maybe four years ago. What commercial was that? That was the Bridgestone with the whale. Um, where we're driving and there's a killer whale in the back seat and then we sort of peel out and the killer whale goes flying into the ocean. Okay. And he goes, now that was a bachelor party. Um, uh, you know, that one had sort of a lot of notoriety. A lot of people saw that. And then, you know, if you do that and then one other commercial, people are like, oh, you're the commercial guy. But really, I've sort of always been doing plenty No, because it's funny because the uh, Febreze commercial, yeah. that girl that's... The other girl who works at the thing is she's on one of those. Uh, she works a ton of commercials. Yeah, it's too, like yeah. she's eating the. She gets caught making the uh, Nutribar, some some uh, granola bar thing. I know what commercial you're thinking of, and I actually think it's a different. I think it's a different girl. Really? Yes. Oh my god, they look so much alike. <laughs> oh my god, it's crazy. Um, so now, could you do these commercials? Do people start to recognize you now? You're in a car. Com- I just saw a car commercial with you. Uh, uh yes, last night. Chevy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. that's got to be something big. I mean, but now you can only do you can't do any other car commercials for how long? Isn't there a certain thing? If for you... as long as Chevy is paying me. Okay. Yeah. So once they so, stop, once yeah. it gets out, you can. Right. What What happens is uh, when you do a commercial, they pay uh, the residuals on the commercial, and then they will also pay what's called a holding fee. Uh, in case they decide they want to run it again, they'll pay you uh, for uh, like a, I guess it's a four month or three month period. Um, where they say, we're not running the commercial, but we might, so you're not allowed to do any more commercials while we're paying you, or any more car commercials while we're paying you. And that's called a conflict. So when you do a Chevy commercial, you've got a car conflict. When you do a Snickers commercial, you've got a candy bar conflict. And you do a Snickers commercial? I've never done Snickers. Have uh, you done a candy? Yeah, I I did a Starburst, and I've done... I did like a crunchy nut bar many years ago. Now, can you do, if you do a Starburst, because uh-huh. it's like a chewy, yeah. can you also do like a chocolate bar or no? Is it all? That- it, it depends. Um, like uh, the conflict areas can sometimes be vague or very specific. Like I think uh, I did um, like casinos. That's pretty, there's pretty much just like one thing. You know what I mean? But like um, I think sometimes they have like salty snacks and then like candies, and then um, so there's different yeah, different areas. Th- there can be different areas. Yeah. Now, since you've been doing the commercials, and I've gotten this from people who do commercials, do people like do they give you a double? But you've been a lot of stuff. Do you get recognized at all? I mean, because you have a very. I mean, and I know I recognize you now more, like because as I'm talking to you, when I saw a cold case, I went. Oh my God! And yeah. plus, you know, I known that you know we were in commercials because sure. Nina had said, sure. "Oh, he's in commercials." So then, you, you, so then you see me. Do you more, do yeah. you get recognized, or do people give you like, "I know you from"? I mean, because that's what I hear a lot of times when you do a lot of commercials. Sure. It's like, well, know you. you know, I'm not sure what people know me from because yes, there's a lot of commercials, but then I've also, you know, <laughs> been anytime, anytime a young guy like early twenties is like, "Man, you an actor?" I'm always like, "Do you get high?" And he's like. Yes, and I'm like Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Did you have a big role in that? Because I, I, I don't. I saw the first one. I saw the third one. My buddy got I was tickets. In the second one. Well, see, I, I, I don't want to go to the third one. I'm legally blind to an eye, and he takes me to a 3D movie. <laughs> my buddy's, and I'm like, I don't. I'm like, everyone's going. You don't. You can't. You don't. You <laughs> well, get the a second bit, one wasn't 3D, right? But now, now, how did that? Was that now? How did that role come apart? That was again just a regular audition. You know, it helped that I have the same manager as the writer directors. Okay. You know, so he um 
he uh, he certainly encouraged them to uh, to cast me, uh, even though I wasn't part of any sort of package or anything like that. But I auditioned against, you know, 10, 20 other guys. Um, and I played the guy uh, in the hot tub with, uh, it's a, a bottomless party. So, um, so uh, you know, it, it, it depends where, you know, if, if it's a young guy in his 20s, probably he knows me from Harold and Kumar. If it's a, a woman in her late 30s, she probably knows me from uh, what to expect when you're expecting. Okay. Uh, and then everyone else, probably commercials. Um, but, you know, it's so random. Like when pe- people will walk up to me and be like, you were in, you know, Cold Case or you were in The Comeback. Um uh, gay guys recognize me from the comeback and campus ladies. Uh, not sure why those right. were such big hits in the gay community. Um, so it runs the gamut. But I, but I will say I don't really – people don't really say much in L.A. Uh, a, because LA. everyone knows someone who has been in something. So right. they're a little less sort of impressed by – you know, oh, you were on TV, no big deal. I know 10 people who are on TV. Uh, and also sometimes they just, they're, they're, they're playing it cool. Uh, but when I leave town, definitely. Like I just went to Vegas and I got recognized like four times in a week. Which, get any hookups, man? Do you ever, you ever get any, did anyone ever sit there and like buy you a drink or, you know, can get in front of the line going, hey man, come on, cold case. Come on, <laughs> Kumar. I, I think I've gotten some free drinks maybe. See, that's good though. You should, <laughs> you should. So now... Um, I remember actually Not quite that famous. I remember the first famous. night I think I met you, but I didn't really met you. And I exactly remember it now. It was uh, at Mallow. Uh-huh. No, no, El Cid. No, it was at El Cid. And Tammy Jodiran used to book. Uh, There's an outside patio that did uh-huh. comedy. Uh-huh. And I think Nina was on the show. I think I was in the inside show. Okay. Now you were going to do stand up that night, and it was I think it was your first time doing stand up. Um, I don't. I, I my first time was at the end of like a class. Um. Uh, I've I've done stand up probably like twenty, thirty times over the past four years. Now, do you enjoy it, or is it something different? Or I love it. I love doing stand up. Um, and I have such a respect for stand up. I'm a voracious like stand up uh, 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 consumer. Uh, but um, but I also know that in order to be a good stand up, you need to put in more work than I'm willing to do. Uh, or frankly, that I have time for. Right. Uh, and so, what I have basically the same twenty minutes or so that I pull from that I've been doing for the past four years. Okay. So when I get asked to do a show, I'll do I'll, I'll pull out ten of those twenty minutes and do that. Have fun with it. Uh, enjoy the experience. Uh, but know that I'm not really working toward becoming a big stand-up. You know what I mean? If I ever... My dream is to get on a show with, um, like, if I could be on, like, Everybody Loves Raymond, right? And and Ray Romano does stand-up around the country. I would love to, like open for him and do 15 minutes. Well, what's funny is... That would be amazing. If you rent this movie, it's called uh, Eight Miles to Go. I can't think of the name. A buddy of mine who I knew years ago doing stand-up, his name's Tom Caltabiano. Okay. And he used to work with Raymond doing mm-hmm. stand-up. And he wrote on Raymond's show. Okay. And Tom directed this documentary. Him and Raymond go on a uh, eight-city tour. Uh-huh. And they take a, they take a van. And they yeah. grab one of the interns from the show, whatever. Yeah. And he was like the cameraman. Uh-huh. And it just, he would do, he'd do 15 minutes. And, then, and it was great, though, because you go there and you know the crowd's going to be huge. Right, right, And right. you know, in, you know, anytime... 
when people come to pay money to see a certain comic, yeah. no one's going to heckle Ray Romano. No one's going to heckle his opener because right. they're going to get thrown out. And so it's just <laughs> right. it's it's very it's 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 so easy. It must be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would. That's that's a total fantasy, and I don't think I could. But but I would. I mean, I, the other fantasy is to be Ray Romano doing, you know, 90-minute sets. But but I would say that's about as likely as me playing for the 49ers. You right. know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I just know that to get to that level, you know... Uh, of, it's a lot of like, work. It's so much work that, that uh, you know, I've already put in a ton of work into one career. You know, I don't I don't have time to put all that... Uh, or, or, or I don't really think the talent to put that no. much work into uh into becoming the next ray or louis or Patton or those amazing guys you know? we have a few minutes left um any projects coming up anything people can look for you to see you on any tv shows you're gonna be on soon or i know it's off season right now so um you know uh, nina and i are, are are working on uh writing um we're uh we're we're developing uh, a couple different pilots and uh and hopefully um We'll get them uh, rolling. Um, other than that, you know, just sort of it's it's slow season right now in TV and film, but it's it's about to start picking up. So hopefully, you know, we'll have some fun stuff. Um, um, <laughs> there's a yep. There's a voiceover thing that I can't talk about, and I. <laughs> just explaining why I'm being sort of all uh, hemming all right. and lying. It happens. I mean, yeah, there's certain things, and there's a lot of times it happens people can't talk about certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you think you'd be able to write good with Nina? Have you guys written before? We've written before, yeah. I mean, we, we've finished one pilot. It's fantastic. It's a little too edgy. Uh, so now we're uh, we're uh, going back to the drawing board. Uh, the, the first one was about porn. Uh, so the second one, we're gonna uh, we're gonna bring it down a little bit, make it a little more uh, you know palatable to the masses, I guess. Real quick, how'd you guys meet? MySpace. Did, was she a fan, or, or just was it? I mean, um, did did you? Could, she was a fan of Campus Ladies, which is why she added me on MySpace. Okay. But the reason we actually hooked up is through some other sort of random machinations. We ended up going on a date, and uh, and you know, within a, a month, it was love. She said she knew in the first ten minutes. Uh, it took me about a month. <laughs> now, how long um, have you been married? We've been married two years. What, what was the proposal? Was it a nice one, or was it just? It was really, really chill. On our two-year anniversary, I uh, one of her favorite things is walking the dog together uh, late at night because it's really quiet, uh, and we can just hold hands and talk. And um, and uh, I stopped in front of her favorite house in the neighborhood, and I, you know, said it's been two years, so let's do this. That's nice. That's sweet. And she yeah. had said, "Oh, she had said." Um, she had said, look, I know you're like, you don't know what ring to get. So when you want to get a ring, you, you don't have, like, you, you don't have to get me a ring. You can just say, let's get married and then we'll go ring shopping together. That's cool. Uh, so I actually, uh, she had said that months before. So on that night I had a box and I opened up the box and inside the box was a note that said, let's go ring shopping. That's cool. Well, that's yeah. sweet. What a sweet guy. <laughs> you know, she's a nice girl. She deserves she's it. A she's a Philly girl. So if you give her crap, she's going to kick your ass. Yes. That's the that's way it is. True. Uh, website, Twitter, anything. How can people follow you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Amir Talai, at Amir Talai. Why don't you spell it? Because people do Oh, yes, it. indeed. A-M-I-R-T-A-L-A-I. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I've got a Facebook fan page, but I've certainly got more people on my Twitter than on my and, Facebook. And your website says it's so 2010. I checked. It's so yes, I've got a website, but I found that I was just like updating it all the time, and it, you know, 
No one cares. I just want to tell you something real quick. Yeah. You, know, you know how big you know how big shot you are. What? I wanted to send you a message. Yes. About coming on my show, and yes. I'd run to Nina. Uh-huh. And if I wanted to send you a message, it said my message would go in the other box. Yeah. It would have cost me fifteen dollars to send you a message. No, not fifteen. It said fifteen. James oh Valley, who created uh, <laughs> uh, Rest of the Album, was only a buck. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And people, uh, follow me Twitter at Cooper Talk, at Cooper Talk on Twitter. Send me an email, Cooper at Indie 100, INDIE100.com. Also, Facebook. I put up a fan page. It's just type in Cooper Talk. And I have about 170 photos of people who've been on my show. And if you click on the photo, you can click on a link. It will go straight to my website, coopertalk.net. And you can hear that whole. Um, that whole episode. Also, don't forget, listen to me, uh, follow me on Twitter because every once a week I'm on Big Daddy Graham's uh, W94WIP Sports Radio Philadelphia, midnight my time, uh, calling in, talking about Hollywood. And also find me on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Type in one word, one word only, Cooper Talk. So thank you. Follow me on Twitter. I tweet a lot, at Cooper Talk. I want to thank my guest, Amir. I want to say thank you, people. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. You guys have a wonderful weekend.